Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. We're going to try to get the podcast done a little earlier than usual. Normally, I start the podcast around 10 or 11 o'clock or so in the morning. A little earlier now because we are in the midst of a heat wave. I can't believe we're already having a heat wave in the very beginnings of June. Yesterday, it hit 91 degrees. Today, it's supposed to hit 91 or 92 degrees. And that tarantula room, whoo, does it get hot. So I, I knew I... When we visited the home originally, it was on a 90-degree day, and the temperature was around noontime, and the temperature was around 85 or so. So I'm like, yeah, that'll be perfectly fine. Well, last night, it hit like 88. It was hot. Now, granted, the spiders were completely fine, and it, it soon started to cool down. It hit that point and then started to cool down. Was not so great for me because yesterday, I spent the, I've spent i spent literally since the last podcast, I think I was talking about the fact that I was going to do an A to Z of tarantulas. I had this great idea, a fun one where I would do you know every letter of the alphabet and have a different species for it and I was trying to find different ones that had common names that would fit with like say Z so I had zebra tarantula stuff like anyway I also had this old idea a long time back that I would shoot a video that would include footage of every single tarantula I kept and it was just I put it aside because it was a huge undertaking it was it seemed to be kind of unrealistic but with that in mind, what I started doing is putting together a little folder on my computer that was called stock, which meant anytime I caught a spider out and about that I thought I could get some good footage of it just for background footage and stuff, you know, in case for future videos or in case I ever tried to put something bigger together, I would have it. So I had some with stock. I thought I had a lot more than I actually did. So to make a very long story short, I sat down to put together the list for the A to Z and realized that I had, you know, for certain ones like say C, I wanted to include, you know, Keelobrachis species. I wanted to include uh, C. cyaneopubicins or cyaneopubicins. I couldn't decide who to include, so I just started including more and more spiders. So soon it wasn't just A to Z, one spider. Some of the top, some of the individual letters had like four different species, five different species. Then I got the Formictibus, and I'm like, now which Formictibus species do I include? The list got bigger and bigger and bigger, and I went, wait a minute. Instead of doing this A to Z thing, which really is just going to be this fun little gimmicky thing, why don't I try to put together my master video with every species I currently have? And so that's what we started doing last week. I shifted gears and started putting together what made a list of every single tarantula that I keep, which was cool to have an actually typed out list. And then went through and tried to see if I had any stock footage for some of them, which I had for you know a handful. For some of them, like the Oviolosopes, that little booger, I've only caught video of it once in about the last, I think it's like three and a half, four and a half years or so. It's been a while. I've got one little 20-second clip of it and one shot where I caught a, a little video of it or a little picture of it when it was out and about. And then as soon as the flash went off, it ran away. It was, let's just say it's been a crazy week because every night after work, I've come up here. And worked on the list. So what I would do is I would get the list out. I would see if I had any footage of them. If I didn't, I would go over, grab the spider, put it on the table, try to get some decent footage and do that basically Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I got up here at 930 in the morning. I think I did. I finally finished labeling the video at 11 o'clock at night and tried to you know upload it to YouTube. So Billy, I was basically going to do a, a rough draft of it to have Billy look over, but it's so long. It's about an hour and seven minutes right now without the introduction and the outro. But it does include, I would say, probably about 95% of the spiders I keep. So I'm really, normally I don't care. When I do videos, 
it's always, what is my goal? My goal is to get a video out because I want care for this. I want to show care for this species or I want to show care for this species or rehouse this one, whatever. There's never any goal like as far as I hope a lot of people see this, see this video. It's not how I operate. I'd be lying if I didn't say I hope people see this video because the amount of work it took. I mean, as it is, it won't be ready this weekend. Billy's downstairs going through it now, making sure the names are right. I'm going to put a couple notes for some of them. The other thing that'll be different about this video that I hope won't be a turnoff, but I really think it's the best way to do it is... I will not be talking through the whole thing. I sat down at one point and was trying to come up with some narration, but with only the clips are about, for per spider, the clips are about 15 seconds to 30 seconds each. And that's not, if you've heard me speak, I don't shut up. That's not a lot of time for me to get anything really meaningful in there. So most of what I could have done is said the name, the scientific name, the common name, and maybe a little a little something about it, but it, it would have gotten redundant. And honestly, I want the spiders to speak for themselves. I want people that find this video to not see some personality interjecting every you know two seconds with you know mugging for the camera or you know I, I don't think I need to even say anything about them it's more about here's what I keep look how beautiful they are and I'm, I'm really proud of it the big thing is going to be trying to find music for the background that isn't going to annoy people because anytime I put music in the background for every person that says hey I really love what you use there's somebody else that says I hate it it's kind of like cologne I've always argued that with cologne that if you're wearing cologne for every one person that loves your cologne there's probably another person that can't stand the smell of it so it's like you're gonna half the people are gonna be pleased half the people aren't but I'm looking for some probably classical I've always liked classical music and I think that'd be a nice tranquil thing to put in the background I'm gonna see what YouTube has but unfortunately the movie is 107 minutes long right now and the longest clips I've found so far are about 10 minutes or so I gotta do some more digging because it's gonna be like that's more than an album's worth of music in the background so hopefully I can pick something that it's calming worst case scenario people don't like it they can turn it way down and just watch the pictures but the good thing is Billy was going through it right now and was impressed with it my son Roan who generally doesn't follow a lot what I do. I mean, he he is interested, but he's not like watching all my YouTube videos. He's like, I can't wait to see it. So I think for folks who have always wondered, what do I have over here or want to see everything? It'll be a, a great way to start off. And then what I can do in the future is when I pick up, you know, at a certain point when I pick up other species and get enough of them, I can do a, a, another video, like an, a, an addendum video where I show, all right, here are some new ones I've got. But for the time being, this should be, you know, hold people at bay that wanted the room tour. The thing about the room tour is I will be doing that at some point. And I keep telling people, you know, we'll be doing it, but I'm doing, I do honestly right now rehousings every week and I'm moving them into nice enclosures that will display them better. So I kind of wanted, I don't want to do a room tour and have it be like a week later, like, man, I wish I'd waited until I rehoused this one, or I wish I had redone these first. I want it to be something that I'm like at a good point where I'm not going to immediately, you know, a month later go, I should have waited and shown the rest of these enclosures that I put them into. So that's why I'm holding off on that. So anyway, I'm going to do something different with this one. YouTube has a thing where you can like debut a video that I always thought was kind of cheesy and didn't know how to do, do it. And I normally when I finish a video, I'm so excited to put it out there. I just put it out there. But I think what we're going to do is we're going to try to finish the video up today. I'm going to load it up. I'm going to have a debut on Friday night, see what happens. It'll be, it might be kind of fun. I'll be around then. And, you know, hopefully people get a kick out of it and, enjoy it and uh, hopefully people watch it because it took so much time to put together it's the first time ever I came down to Billy I'm like I really honestly hope people watch this thing because it was fun to put together it really was fun except when it hit like 87 degrees up here and I'm literally I almost had to burn the clothes I was wearing I was so sweaty after doing it but it was it's neat for me to kind of see all my animals out there in a way that I haven't seen before I mean obviously I live with them I can check in on them but to see the be able to watch a video and go wow I have a pretty impressive collection it was pretty cool so 
moving on from this one a little, I should probably put something in the notes because there are people that get upset when I say the video title, but I start off with something else. This one's going to be titled, there are levels to this. I actually came up with a title before I came up with a podcast, which I believe is the first time in the almost four year history of doing the podcast. Usually I come up with these things and then I have to name them or title them when I post them and I struggle with it. So what we're going to talk about a bit today is the whole idea of there being different levels of tarantula keeping, the fact that, you know, there are beginner lists, intermediate lists. Uh, you know, expert lists supposedly, and try to articulate my view once and for all on this. Because I get frustrated sometimes because there are two camps, you know, there are people that are okay with them, but there are two camps of people, uh, extreme camps on either sides, different poles, so to speak. There's the ones that feel like you should start with a beginner's list, do the ladder system, and there is no way anybody under any circumstance should be starting with old worlds or more difficult species until they've kept some of these easier species and put a certain amount of time in. I won't bother naming. I've heard three years put in. I've heard people say 10 years, which is absurd. Who's going to put 10 years in? But whatever. They feel like there's no way around this. You should start with beginner species and go from there. Then there is the other side, equally fanatical, that believe that anybody, any person that starts tarantula keeping should be able to grab whatever spider tickles their fancy and keep it. Whether it's, you know, if the first one you see is an Ovialosopes, hey kid, go out get yourself an Ovialosopes, you'll do just fine. And I will tell you, as always with topics, it's not me trying to, you know, appease both sides or anything. This is generally how I think. I tend to look at both sides and I come to, a, you know, a gray area conclusion. I'm somewhere in the middle and I do feel like that, you know, both sides, have points, but both sides are wrong in standing by that everybody has to do this or everybody has to do that. Because the fact of the matter is I have enough experience talking to new keepers now, several years of experience talking to people that are just getting to the hobby that it's it's not one size fits all with how you're going to start or what you're going to pick up or what you know if you're going to start with beginners or not. So what we're going to do is break down a little bit how it kind of works and my thoughts on it and what I've kind of observed over the years and give my take on the whole list thing. So obviously with lists, usually what they do, the big ones that tend to irritate people, and I never realized this was a controversial topic until I did my first beginner species list, beginner species lists. People, there are people out there that absolutely hate them, think they are ridiculous, that will argue until they're blue in the face that they are useless they're pointless nobody should be looking at a beginner species list i have two beginner species videos up there two beginner species articles up there the two beginner species videos get a lot of traffic so regardless if you think people should have beginner species lists people are searching for them and one thing that i have i get on these every once in a while is somebody will come on and it's it's not as frequent now but somebody will come on and go i don't understand why you bother doing these go out get whatever you want they're really not that difficult to keep that's great. That's awesome. That's you. Uh, other people might have a different uh, take on that. But there seems to be, you know, when you put up those beginner species lists, there is that contingency of people that take almost, they almost like seem to be offended by the fact that you are insinuating that there could be decent species of spiders for somebody to start off with, ones that they are more likely to have success with and not have an issue with and not end up with, I don't know, a fear of spiders with. They seem to almost take issue with that. And that's problematic to me because I think, you know, when you come on the video and go, you know, and, and for some of them, I think it's an ego thing. Some of them will come on and they'll be like, my first tarantula was an OBT and I did great with it. Ha ha ha. Well, great for you. That's awesome. That's that's fantastic. I, but it's done in a way where it's not like, hey, you can start with anything or they're trying to offer a debate. It's more like I started with it or somebody will come on and go, I started with a T-Sturmy. I did fine. Just go out and get whatever you want, which 
Again, I worry about that attitude. So are there such things as beginner spiders? Let's start with that. And I think anybody that's listened to my stuff, seen the beginning, I've, I've done a thing on beginners list before and on intermediate. I did the one, the podcast on the intermediate species list, and I tried to explain my take on that. And I get why people struggle with this. But yes, I do think there are certain ones we can kind of put in a little box and go, you should be safe with these. There's always should be because the big argument that comes out, and this is, you know, I get these quite a bit. I'll put like, say, T. albopilosis on my beginner's list. Somebody will come on and go, I have a T. albopilosis that'll try to eat my face off, but my OBT I can handle. So are there exceptions to every rule? Yes, they are. As we've talked about ad nauseum, if you've seen my videos, I always say that temperament can vary from specimen to specimen, even from molt to molt. And that's something we always need to keep in mind because although we can say T. albopilosis in general is a laid-back spider, is one that's suitable to be a beginner species. There have been many people that have chimed in on materials that I've put up about T. albopilosis that have said theirs do not fit that bill. Do the majority of them tend to be a little more laid-back? Yes, I do believe so. Are there outliers? Yes, and that's what trips some people up because obviously we're not dealing in absolutes here. There are going to be species that make it to a beginner species list that you may get one of the specimens that's just not beginner-friendly. It's going to happen, but to argue that you can't put together a list of some of the ones that will probably be probably give you less trouble, that's a little, I, I, I think it's a little ridiculous. So let's look at what we could look at as far as a beginner spider, what a beginner spider should be. We're looking at low venom potency. So we take old worlds right off the list. I've done this from day one. I will argue this is one of the few places I kind of dig in on. If you're talking about a good beginner species, again, I always think about a 10-year-old boy or 10-year-old girl that's getting their first low-maintenance pet. You don't want them trying to wrangle an OBT in your house. You do not want them trying to wrangle an H lividus in your house. You don't want them trying to wrangle an old Velocipes in your house. Believe me, I mean, even people that keep these species and do well with them have to concede. I have no problem with any of the ones I just mentioned. I would not want my 10-year-old son having one of these in his bedroom. That's just a recipe for disaster. Kids are kids. They're going to show them their friends. The friends are going to go, can you take them out? Can you take the top off? Next thing you know, you've got a spider loose in your house. I would, I dare anybody to argue that with me. So you have to think with beginner are there all different levels of beginners? Are there all different people that come in with different levels of experience? Yes, and we'll come to that. But when I think of beginner, I have to bring it down to what is the youngest age a kid might be out going out and getting one, and then what would that kid be capable of? When I think of a 10, I take my 10-year-old son, there's no way I'm getting an old world species. Somebody will chime in. Well, my daughter does old world species and she's eight. That's fantastic. Your daughter, and I'm not going to even argue that she's not successful with them. The majority of 10-year-olds, and I've been around kids my entire life with teaching and everything, are not prepared for that. So that's what you look at. You start there. So we take old worlds off the list because of the venom potency, because of the the potential for them to be defensive, because you can argue I have some really laid back old world species and I have some pretty high strung new world species, but the potential is there and these are tarantulas that if they are threatened, if they feel the need to defend themselves, they will do so by biting, by using their venom and it's going to be nasty. You don't want a 10 year old kid getting bitten by their OBT. That is a good way to get spiders banned. So what else do we look at? We look at a calm temperament or predictability. It, even predictability doesn't, they don't have to be calm. Recognizing that your GBB is going to kick hairs and run, maybe that's something that's predictable. That's what I tell people when they get green bottle blues. Recognize they're probably going to go through a stage where they're going to be very skittish. They're going to kick hairs and they might bolt around a little bit. When you're ready for that, it might not be a big deal. So I put predictability in there, recognizing that 
Again, there's going to be outliers, but we recognize most T. albopilosis are going to be laid back. Most H. chilensis are going to be very laid back inquisitive. There are other species I've kept. Uh, right now, I've raised, I think, four Gramostola pulchropy is one of my favorite all-time tarantulas. I have a female behind me that I'm just in love with. It's going to be like probably like my new queen eventually. And they have all been very laid back and predictable. Are there outliers? Yep. But for the most part, I can say with my experience, they've been very predictable. I've had other people chime in when I did videos on them. Very predictable. So there are certain spiders that we can kind of go, you know what, you're going to sit this one in its container if you set it up right and have minimum interaction with it, you should be okay. And then finally, the other thing that sometimes gets left out because we get hung up on venom potency and the attitude is ease of care. I tend to shy away from moisture dependent species when I'm recommending you know, beginner tarantulas for people because that's the whole humidity thing. We're not going to address that right now, but the whole humidity thing can be very confusing for a lot of people. They hear these perfect, you know, ideal humidity levels, they freak out. And so we don't want a situation where they've got, I don't know, we'll say T-stermy and they're flooding the enclosure every two days because, oh God, it's getting a little dry up top. And then they end up with a dead spider. We don't, we want to avoid the ones that have those extra care requirements, which is basically some of the arboreals, you know, I, I tend to shy away from it. Somebody's people are going to go nuts on this one, but the avicularia species, I tend to shy away. I know they're, they're awesome little spiders. They're, they're not usually as difficult as people make them out to be, but still with all this new information out on how to keep them, I get contacted constantly with people with dead avicularia or carabina versicolors. I just had three emails in the last two weeks from people who bought carabina versicolors and they mysteriously died. So I, I, that's something I would take into consideration when thinking of, you know, recommending a beginner. And they are, I will throw myself out there, they are on my top list of 13 best beginner species as picked by keepers. So that is not the general consensus opinion on that. That is my opinion, and I want to make that very clear. And that's something you always got to make sure you recognize that my opinion may not fit what everybody else is saying, and my opinion may not be the right one. So, But I found that people tend to struggle with those. So that would be one when you talk about ease of care. I tend to pick something that's a little more hardy, that something that I know that is going to survive and do okay with somebody who might be struggling to get their husbandry down. Some of them might be okay if they, you know, read somewhere that they have to spray things down or they have to, you know, put the sponge in the water, just all the silly things we do with first-time tarantulas. Those are things I think about. So low venom potency, Calm temperament, predictability, ease of care are all big things. And I do think we can come together. And again, this isn't going to be a another beginner species list. I'm not going there. But I do think we can put together a pretty good list about beginners, you know, good species that fit that list. So for the folks that argue that beginners lists are useless, I totally disagree. I, I, I will draw a line in the sand. For some people, they are incredibly important. We're talking about the younger kids are getting out there, parents that are trying, their kids are interested in tarantulas, and they're trying to get them something that's appropriate. One thing that people don't take into consideration when they're sitting there like, oh, just pick up any spider you like. A lot of folks that come in the hobby, much like myself, are arachnophobes. So they're already coming in with anxiety. They're keeping an animal that they are, quite frankly, 
frankly, irrationally afraid of. Now, you want to make sure that that experience is a good one so that they don't end up even more afraid of them. You know, I'll tell you, nothing's going to make you more afraid of spiders, if you're already afraid of them, than getting bitten by one or having one end up in your lap or having something go wrong or get out in a rehousing. That's going to jack up that anxiety. And then your experience of trying to, you know, immerse yourself in arachnoculture to get over your fear is going to have a counter effect. It's just going to strengthen it. I always share the story about when I tried to hold the queen back in the day and I was terrified of spiders and she had a feeding response and I almost passed out. That could have been it for me. If she had bit me there, I doubt I'd be sitting here right now talking about tarantulas. I'd, I'd I would not probably get another one after that because I my fear would be too great, I would assume, after I took you know a bite from one. So that's something people don't take into account when they're like, oh, nobody, start with anything you want. There are people out there that start off scared of them. Then if they're scared of them, they need to start with something that's going to be predictable, that's not going to be as much as a threat. All they need to have, even if they have the tamest sea darlingi in the world, because people will go, well, there's some old worlds that are really laid back. Even if you have this tamest sea darlingi in the world, in their mind, they know this animal has venom that is going to hurt. They know it has the potent old world venom, and that is going to lead them to be more scared than they would of a species that supposedly has the quote-unquote bee sting bite, or a species that's going to kick hairs as opposed to bite, which we know the hairs can be nasty, but most people don't see them as, as much of a threat as the fangs. They're going to have that in their mind and it's going to make them act less rashly. It's going to cause that, create that fear, that kernel of fear that's going to cause them to do things wrong with the tarantula. So I think sometimes when we rush to judge people or rush to go in there and go, you can start with anything you want. We don't look at the reality of who the people are that are searching for beginners list. The kids, the parents of kids, folks that are just getting into the hobby that are buying tarantulas for the first time to try to get over their fear. I talked about the fact that there was a tie black at one of the shows I saw that I almost bought years ago back in the 90s. I was fascinated by this thing because it was in the tank all, you know, about an inch of substrate, just slapping at anything that would go by. It was stridulating. It was, uh, I, now I feel terrible for the thing at the time. I was like fascinated by it. If I had picked that spider up thinking that it was just like any other, you know, rose hair tarantula, that it wasn't going to have a bad bite, I probably would have gotten bitten and been screwed or had that thing out in my house. So, it's important that we give people that are looking for that information. We're not forcing on people. And that's going to get to my next part of the argument and the other side of it. We're not forcing them to start there, but we're giving them the tools they need. We're giving them a reference in these beginner guides, these beginner lists, so that they know where to start. And then they can start with something that off the bat, at least in their mind, is a beginner species. They're starting the right way. People need that. And bottom line, here's the deal. For people that say you don't need beginner's lists or that they're ridiculous... There are so many people searching for beginner's list every day. I have my my blog where I have my beginner's list article. That is the most read article on that whole thing. I get more questions on that, more emails about it. My YouTube channel, the most popular videos I have on that are the two beginner species ones. People are searching for me. It gives them a good idea of where to start. Now, whether they stick to it or not, we're not forcing. I never force anybody to stick to it. People go outside that list all the time. Hey, I've, I looked at the beginner's list. However, I've seen the peace sosme. I know you say that they can be defensive, a little nasty, but I think I'm ready for it. Go for it, man. As long as you've done your research and know what you're doing, good luck. Get your rehousings down, and I hope you have a great time with it. I, I, I give my two cents. I try to feel people out, and when they make their decision, I'm here to help if they need it. So it's not like, hey, you're an idiot. I told you not to get a piece of Osmey. It's not a beginner species, so I'm not going to help you anymore. No. All right. So now you got it. How's it going to go? Most times it goes really well, so that's something that's you know overlooked. But 
the deal is they do serve a purpose. People are looking for them. So to argue that they shouldn't have them, that they're wrong, like, what is it? But what do you care? Why does it bother? I don't get why it bothers people so much. I got into old worlds fairly quickly. It doesn't bother me at all that there are new lists out there. I don't understand that line of thinking. Now, I used, they were very important to me. When I started doing my research, I put together a list of all the beginner species. I researched everything. I think I shared the story before that OBT was one of the ones that was on one of the, when you search beginner species, they had a list there where OBT was like number five or something. But I did my research and realized, no, probably not ready for that one yet. Did I get into old worlds quickly? Yes, I realized that I was pretty good working with these guys early on, and I moved through very quickly. But I did start there. I would not have had it any other way. I, I think beginner species in the very least, and I think this is a good advice for anybody getting into the hobby, start there first and see how it goes. If you find, hey, I got a knack for this, or these guys really aren't that difficult— then yeah, sure, start gravitating towards the more difficult ones. But I think for a lot of people, that's just a prudent way to start the hobby. You start with something easier because remember, one of the things we always talk about, everything is great until it comes time to rehousing. That's when things start to go wrong. And rehousings are something, it's an art form. It's like something that you really need to perfect your technique, whatever it may be, using a shower, using a table, using a stool, whatever techniques you use, using cardboard cutouts, using poke and pray, whatever works for you, flood method. I hate it. Some people love it. Figure out what works for you before you get in a situation where you're moving a tarantula that you have to dig out. You've got, I don't know, a H gigas that you have to rehouse. And suddenly you're like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in over my head. I think starting, there's nothing wrong with starting easy and working your way up. Now, one of the things that's mentioned a lot, and I won't get into this because I think I covered it all before, but the ladder system where you start with a certain, you know, new world, usually it's a brachypelma, faunapelma, Grandma stole a species, and then you keep those for a little while, and then you move up, and you may get, I don't know, an LP or a C kind of pubicins, or God forbid, maybe a Formictopus. I don't know. Some Formictopus, I have no problem with them. They can be really nasty with some people. So you basically work your way up. So each one of those tarantulas, the Grammastola, Lasiodora, the P. cancerides, the C. darlingi, those are all rungs on a ladder. You're working your way up to keeping the apparent, the, I don't know, advanced species that you've been eyeing. So for T. Sturmy, you may start with, I don't know, uh, we'll say a G. Pulchra, then you pick up an LP, then you pick up, you know, your Cancerides because they're a little more difficult, then you may pick up your T. Sturmy. I don't, there's, there's a whole list, if you look up ladder system for those who are interested, there's a whole kind of comprehensive list out there that people have put together. There's a couple different ones. But the idea is every species you keep is a rung that gives you that needed experience to get the next species. And it's a cool theory. And again, I think there's some merit to it, but I think for some people... Trying to, the fact that when they put out the ladder system, if you put, I don't know, 100 keepers in there and tell them to come up with a ladder system, you're probably going to get 100 different ladder systems. You're going to get different ones that prepare you for different things. I've always argued one of the big holes in the ladder system is some of the species, like, I don't know, the P. gigas or something that you might get to prepare for a pokey. I find that my P. gigas is more difficult to manage than my po- than all my pokies. So it doesn't always line up, but it's a cool idea to get people through the hobby in a way that they're gaining. It's almost like martial arts. You're gaining the experiences. You got a white belt now. You got your grandma stola. Oh, we've got a, you know, lazy door parahibana. We're giving you a blue belt. And now we're working our way up. It's a good idea. I think, again, like the beginner species list, it works great for some people. If you're doing this, continue with it. I am not 
in any way, shape, or form disparaging it, but I just think for some people, it's not needed. They figure out rather quickly, I'll use myself as an example, you start keeping these things and you realize, hey, this isn't that bad. I'm comfortable. I'm going to move up. So to say somebody needs, and this is where I start to bristle a little bit, ladder system, awesome concept. When people come out and go, well, you've only kept new world species for three years. You should be keeping them for five years before you even think about an old world. What? Where are these arbitrary times coming from? It's up to the individual. I've talked to people that have been keeping new worlds for 10 years that are just ready. That's awesome. I would not pressure these people at all. I think that's fantastic. They know their limits. I've just spoke to somebody on a YouTube comment that they've been keeping for 12 years and they were finally getting their first old world and they felt ready for it. And what pissed me off was somebody came on and went, what took you so long? You should have got one right off the bat. Mind your business. Maybe you were able to jump right in. This person wanted 12 years of experience. God bless them. Good for them. That's awesome. I don't see any reason. There's all the time in the world. Well, depending on how old you are and which species you're keeping, there's pretty much all the time in the world to spend collecting tarantulas. Why rush through things? So I do think that the ladder system has its merits, but as a matter as far as how much people will ask me, how much time should I spend keeping these? How much time should I spend on this rung? How much time? However much time you need. If you are having, if you're thinking about getting an old world species and you're having nightmares about it right at night, you're probably not ready for it. I've used that one before and I've talked to people who have picked up old world species and they're having nightmares or what if it gets out? What if it bites my child? What if it bites my dog? What if it bites my cat? What if it gets lost in my apartment? You're probably not there yet because I think after you keep for a certain amount of time and you get your rehousings down, you start to get a better feel for the fact that even most rehousing should not be what you see a lot of times on YouTube. Most rehousings, if you have your stuff down, you have your area down, you have your system down, there's ways to move tarantulas without ever giving the tarantula an opportunity to get out in the open. I've proven it before with the cups and the cardboard. It just depends on how creative you want to get with it. I think once people recognize that, then they start realizing, all right, this isn't a big deal. I've had people go, Don't, how do you sleep at night? Don't you think those, those things are going to get out? What's going to happen if one escapes? It's knock on wood, it's not going to. I've, I practice care and caution every time I rehouse. I've, I've got this stuff down. I've got hours of YouTube videos to back it up. So personally, I feel like it's up to the individual to recognize where they're at. I can't answer it for you. A forum definitely can't answer it for you because I can tell you what kind of, you go on and go, hey, I've been keeping transfers for six months. I want to get an OBT. I can tell you exactly what kind of reaction you're going to get. It's one of those deals where it comes up to the individual. Individual A may take 10 years in keeping new world species before he or she feels ready to tackle something more difficult. Nothing wrong with that. A keeper B may come out and he or she may go, you know what? I've been keeping these for about seven months. I'm going to pick up a seed darlingi. Chances are they're probably going to do pretty well with it. A lot of it is how you feel inside. And I do think, and I have said this before, for me, I usually encourage most to at least start with new worlds until they have the basic husbandry down. And by basic husbandry, I mean correct housing, recognize what, you know, the correct size housing, recognize the fact that there are terrestrial species that need different types of enclosures than fossorial species that need different types of enclosures than arboreal species, recognizing the differences between them. I think that's very important. And then, of course, have your rehousing down. There's always that argument where you can't get an old world species until you have enough experience, but then there's people that counter argue, how do you get experience working with an old world species if you're not working with old world species, if you're working for very laid back, Gramostola, Fonapelma, you know, Brachypelma species? And there's there's some logic there, but I do think even just watching how spiders move and you know how they react and how they climb up the cups and whatever you're using, style you're using, I think getting some basic 
rehousing experience does help. Get your techniques down because the techniques that you use, if you're using good techniques for your new world species, it will carry over to the old world species. So that's usually why I say above everything else that you're comfortable with your rehousings, that you have your system will say down. Because everybody that does, I have people come on and it it cracks me up sometimes because I always, believe me, I'm always taking information from other people and going, hey, that's a good idea. I'll use that. But I love when people go on to my rehousing videos and try to tell me I should try a different way of rehousing. And it's like, okay, that's great that that works for you. And I've always encouraged people, find what works for you and stick to it. I am not coming on trying to convince people that they should do it my way. I'm just showing them how it can go really easy and not have, you know, a rehousing with a spider running around. But I have people will come on and be like, yeah, you should do this. No, I'm comfortable in what I'm doing right now. It's But likewise, if you're doing something different that works for you, stick with it. I am not arguing that. I can sit there and tell you why I don't use that method, but that's me. So recognizing what you're good at, I think the rehousings are important with any spider. You don't want to learn these lessons on an old world. You don't want to put an old world, for example, a P. murinus in a shallow terrestrial enclosure and have that situation where you have the little nasty ball fire jack-in-the-box every time you open it up. You don't want to learn that lesson then. You want to figure out some of this stuff earlier on. Recognize that some tarantulas need a little more height, even if they are labeled terrestrial. Those are the things you want to pick up some experience for. So again, I think anything you do, you can do with any species. I will agree that some people can jump right into the deep end and have no problems whatsoever. I always share the story where I had an individual contact me years ago from the website when I was kind of just starting out and getting the hang of this advice thing. And he's like, yeah, I saw your beginner species list. I'm getting three OBTs. And I was like, oh, so I politely, again, teacher mode. It wasn't like you're an idiot. You're going to get bit. Your family's going to get eaten. Nothing like that. But like, hey, you might want to reconsider that. They're feisty, blah, blah. He's like, no, no, I've done the research and I've you know done a lot. Of, I want to get them. Well, he did fine with them. He did perfectly fine with them. He actually only ever kept old world species and never had an issue with it. So there was a guy that, you know, bottom line, he was able to jump right in. Is that everybody? Absolutely not. But are there some people that can jump right in? Yes. Let's talk about the folks in Australia. They can only keep old world species. What are they going to do? I can't tell you how many people come on from Australia on the beginner's species list and go, yeah, I'm in Australia. Can't really do this. Right there, you've shown that there are exceptions to every rule. And I think that's the whole focus of this podcast here is the fact that there are, you can't go either end. You can't say you have to do beginner species, you know, start with beginner species. You also can't say that you shouldn't start with beginner species or there should be no such thing as beginner species list. Uh, list. It's in the middle. So not everybody needs to do the beginner thing. Not everybody needs to start you know, with the new world species. But I do think, again, for the majority of us, it's prudent to check out those lists, start with the spider there, see how we do with it before moving on. There's no, no harm whatsoever starting with one of those species, kind of seeing how it goes and then going, okay, yep, I want to get into the old worlds. Just get a little bit of experience beforehand. Now, this right here is usually where folks who did jump right in and do this, this is the other side of this argument, jump on and go, these beginner species lists are ridiculous. Any species can be a beginner species. And I totally, I will argue that one every single time because I don't agree with that. Do Are some people ready to jump into the advanced end? Yes. But are some species better for people that are getting into the hobby 
that may not have that background, that may be arachnophobic, that may be younger? Yes, I think we've already proven that in the first part of this argument. So to say that there are no such things as beginner species, I don't agree with it. And I'm sure I'm going to post this up and people are going to come in the thing and say the same thing. I hear your argument. I hear where you're going. But again, I'm not talking so much about the spiders as I'm talking about the individual keeping the spiders. I'm talking about the keeper. Are there beginners out there? Are there people that are not equipped to jump right in with some of these old world feistier spiders? Absolutely. There are people that are not ready for it. So let's not even talk about the spiders. Let's talk about the attitude, the approach, the, what they come as far as baggage. Are there people out there that come into the hobby having kept snake? I, I talk a lot of times it's people that keep venomous snakes. If you kept venomous snakes, Chances are you're going to be pretty good at keeping from getting bit. You're going to be pretty good at watching body language of animals, recognizing, you know, when they might bolt, when they might come at you. You're probably going to transition very well into keeping old world. So we can't ignore the fact that there are folks also for the people that think everybody has to start with beginners. There are folks out there that come with that type of background information, that ability to work with animals that it's not, it's a non-issue. Again, I talked about the fact I grew up with animals my whole life, spent a lot of time taming animals down, working with animals. I feel like I am good at recognizing even tarantulas that aren't the most expressive animals in the world. I do feel like I'm good at recognizing certain things when they might bolt, when they might be getting ready to throw up a threat posture. I think I have a knack with working with them and keeping them calm it made it very easy for me to move into old world species. And guess what? I'm not the only one. There are a lot of people out there that come with a skill set that allows them to transition very quickly, if not immediately, into keeping old worlds. And then, again, I have to point out the Australians. Tell everybody you have to start with beginner species so Australia can never keep a spider. That's a little ridiculous. So the other side of this argument, the other poll, is that people can jump right in the deep end and do perfectly fine. Is not you have to know yourself. And again... It's a tricky one because there are folks out there that come in with this. Yeah, I know, but I've watched all these videos. I know what to do and it's bravado. They don't know what to do. They don't have the experience. And when it comes down to it, they end up getting freaked out by the spider. So I think some of us do recognize that and it irritates us at times when you see people that jump in, the cowboys, the ones that come in like, I don't need, I don't need to keep any of these boring new world species. I'm jumping right in, get myself an OBT. A lot of times they're coming in for the wrong reasons. They've read that this thing's venomous and crazy. They want to show it off to their friends. There are the, those types of people, but there are also people that are rational, intelligent people, well-read, that know what they're getting into, that are good with working animals, that can jump right into that deep end and have no problem at all. So on one side, beginner species lists are useless. No, they're not. They help a good contingency of people. However, on the other side, everybody should have to start with beginner species lists. I disagree completely. I've spoken to many people over the years that have jumped in with the old world species and have done just fine. Again, it comes down to the individual. We can't just blanket statement everybody out there. We come from all different walks of life. I just talked to somebody the other day I was talking to was a retired grandmother who was an ex-teacher that is getting into tarantulas now. She was in her 60s. She's enjoying the hobby. She's starting slow. She said she'd like to keep an old world someday. That's much different than, say, somebody that's kept exotics, some kid that's kept exotics his whole life and had some venomous snakes. They're coming from two totally different experience levels, two totally different walks of life. Obviously, one's going to feel a little more comfortable starting with the more difficult, potentially difficult defensive old world species. One of them's going to feel a little bit more confident and in control starting with the beginner species. So we have to, as a hobby, stop drawing these lines in the sand and... and saying, no, beginner lists are stupid, or no, you can never start with old world. We have to start looking, I, and again, I, 
I've been on the forums. I've been on arachnoboards when people have come on and said, hey, I've just jumped in the hobby. I bought an OBT. And I get it. And there is need for concern there. I think some people that pick these things up are not aware. I've, I've talked before about how when I first got into the hobby, when you know, back in the 90s before there was any you know internet to read this stuff on, I did not realize that there were such thing as old world, new world species. That's a problem. That When you go out there and you're like, I'm going to get a tarantula, I'm going to hold it, and you just picked up an H. lividus, you're in some trouble. So I do think that you know people need to be informed. I do agree that there is some measure, you should have some measure of experience working with animals like this with exotics before you jump right into the deep end. But I also think that a lot of the experience you're going to get is going to come with working with them. I understand that argument where people will go, well, how can I ever how can I ever develop the skills to deal with an old world that I'm trying to transfer that gets out of hand if I never experience it? Like I can watch videos, but if I'm keeping my Fonapelma calcotus, that's not going to give me the experience I need. I get that argument as well. I think we need to stop looking at it as a black and white issue and recognize if people want a beginner species list, it's going to be useful for those people. It's going to help them. It's going to make them feel more confident, more comfortable getting into the hobby leave them alone. I will tell you one of the biggest pet peeves I have on my videos, and I apologize if you're somebody that's done this. I usually chime in and try to diffuse it, but I will put something up with an old world species and somebody will come on and go, man, I can't wait to get one of those someday, but I right now I'm only keeping new worlds. It'll be a little while because I'm not comfortable yet. And somebody will come on and go, what are you waiting for? Just go out and grab one. You're totally fine. No, what do you... Leave them alone. I can get going on saying, now what I would say is, hey, when the time comes, I think you'll find they're not as bad as people make them out to be. As long as you're experienced, you'll do fine. But to come out and like, people will make fun of other people for choosing to keep new worlds. And that's garbage. Let's not do that. So that, I, I can't tell you how many times that happens on one of my videos. I put up an old world species or I put the little tag in the end that this is beginner friendly. And I get the, the other one where people go, any species is beginner friendly. Knock it off. I see where you're coming from. I definitely get your perspective. I, again, zip through the hobby myself, but let's leave the choice up to the individual. If the person, here's my theory, if the person is out there researching best beginner tarantula, it's probably somebody that needs a list of best beginner tarantulas, if you get what I'm saying there. It's like that's somebody that isn't going out going, hey, there's no BT. That's somebody that recognizes there is levels to this and they want to start at that lower level and that should be applauded. Conversely, if somebody goes out there and picks up something that we consider, you know, they haven't been in the hobby that long and they pick up one of the quote unquote expert species, that's not, we can, we can give our warnings, but once they have it, we need to support them and see how it goes. And I think some, it's a lot of instances we see it goes pretty well. So I don't think we should be judging it that aspect at all. Put your two cents. Hey, just to let you know, there are levels to this. Uh, you know, some people like to start low. If the person gets the spider, then let's help them out. And I've seen, again, I've seen many, 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 many instances in my tenure is doing, doing the Thomas Big Spider stuff where folks have started on the deep end and done perfectly fine. I could probably name 10 keepers right off the top of my head that jumped right in with old worlds or very quickly in with old worlds, did perfectly fine with them, never had any issues. So again, let's be supportive. When people want recommendations for beginner species, point them to lists. Give a couple ones that they could work with. If they want recommendations or if they're picking up the old world species and they've already got it and they haven't been in the hobby for a while, help them out. Give them, I know we can all say they should have done their research. They should have their experience. What's done is done. Let's help them out and not judge them for it. I think it's very important for us as a hobby to recognize that 
is, you know, both sides of that are kind of, I, I don't believe are correct. Are beginner species lists useless and damaging? No, I don't believe so. I think for some people, they are incredibly helpful. Does everybody have to start with beginner species? No, they don't. I think people jump right in and do fine. There it is. That's the reality of it. That's without a non-biased take. Having spoken to many, 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 probably at this point, hundreds, if not over a thousand or maybe a couple thousand, be, you know, new people to the hobby over the years at different experience levels. That's my take out of it. It just depends. It depends on the person. There's no, you know, right or wrong. And if you want to do the ladder system, don't fault people for doing the ladder system. Let them do it. That's whatever the, the you know, your opinion on it, that's making them feel more comfortable that they're gaining that experience. We want people to feel comfortable. We want people to not feel like they're rushing through it. We don't want people having nightmares or emailing me because you know what? I just picked up the, I don't know, C. libidus and now I'm terrified of it and I don't know what to do and I want to get rid of it. We don't want those situations. We want people to go, I waited several years. I picked up my C. libidus and oh my God, it just buried itself. I never see it and this really isn't that bad. That's what we want to hear. So always keep an open mind. And then remember, one of the things I've always encouraged people to do is when folks are asking about tarantulas, which species, where they fit in, I always talk, try to talk about behaviors. That's an important one. Instead of just going, this is a beginner species, these are the behaviors you can expect from them. I think that becomes very important when you talk about ones like GBBs, C. cyanopubicins. They end up in, I've had them on both, I believe both of my beginner species list. Although in my heart, I feel like they're a little more intermediate. I have more folks email me or have emailed me over the years a little bit scared of their GBBs because they're hair kickers or they're bolting around. That's something to keep in mind that there are those ones that can fit kind of, you know, is this really a beginner? Is this an intermediate? When I did my intermediate list, I went through the fact that I just tried to look at behaviors. So and when we talk to people about them, talk about what they might experience as far as behaviors. Hey, GBBs are very hardy. They're easy to keep. Just heads up when they get to be adults. If you don't give them enough room, they can be very flighty. They can be a little bit bolty. They can kick hairs. I haven't read really threat postures for them, but the hairs can be nasty. Inform them of the behaviors. Brachypelma bami, another one that pops up, or boimi, or burmi, or whatever anybody wants to call it. I've had a million different explanations for how that name's pronounced, but that's a species that will sometimes pop up in beginner list, but I've had two of them, and they're some of the most skittish spiders I've ever kept. They will kick hairs. Their hairs can be nasty. Inform people of that. Yes, it's a hardy spider. Yes, you may get one that's very calm, but recognize you could get a spider that kicks hairs and runs around to closure anytime you open up the feed. That's something, then they can kind of make a decision there about what to expect. Even T. albopelosis, the majority of them are pretty laid back, but some folks, especially ones that keep some of the Nicaraguan ones, although I do think it's probably wild-caught ones they're keeping, and that's a topic for another day, they can be ones that you can say, you know, normally they're pretty much pet rocks. They just sit there. They're rather laid back. I have a few of them very laid back, but recognize some folks report ones that can be a little bit skittish. So, you know, we can talk, I think, in the future when making these lists, whether it be beginner, intermediate, advanced, we talk a bit more about the behaviors and focus on the behaviors and the husbandry. So for example, the, the ones that I see as being the true, I don't know, advanced species of such a thing are the ones that do have those moisture requirements because that's true. I still have people struggling with how to keep moisture. They don't, you know, they want to put in the humidity gauge. They want to measure it and they, because they heard on a video, it has to be kept at 85%, which you can keep it at 85%. You don't have to. It's it's all about the moist substrate. That, that can be tricky. So a lot, and a lot of the ones that require the humidity are the tougher species to keep. So you're talking about the T. blondi, 
big giant spider. You know, somebody that's scared of spiders all of a sudden has a 10, 12 inch spider on their hands. That could be intimidating. They have nasty hairs. They have the moisture dependency. That could be an advanced species. Oviolospes, it's come out quite a bit. One that definitely requires some moisture. It's a larger spider. It's very quick. It can be defensive. It can be very skittish. Those are ones I kind of consider the true advanced species. So those are ones we want to prepare people for and make sure they know what they're getting into. But again, in the future, recognize that if somebody wants to start with a beginner list, let them start with a beginner list. If you want to explain to them that old, because I agree, old worlds aren't nearly as bad as people make them out to be, out to be, by all means, express the fact that, hey, just so you know, when you get into old worlds, you're going to find that they're really not that bad. Most of them are very manageable. That's okay. But making fun of them or telling them, hey, just jump in, grab an old world, not the way to go about it. And then conversely, if somebody comes on and says, hey, I jumped right in and I started with a piece of theory of Vitata, they probably have heard the warnings, you know, hey, just a heads up, they can be fast, they can be defensive, they have really nasty venom. If they go, yeah, I know that, then support them. Let's not turn it one of these things where we're just tearing people apart on the boards or on the Facebook groups or whatever. Let's support people. I know it can be frustrating, but the ones that get the most frustrating are the ones that tend to take the hard stances and can't recognize that there are gray areas in the middle, that people can sometimes jump right in the deep end and they don't drown. They do perfectly fine. And then other people spend a long time in that waiting side of the pool, getting used to it before they try to test the deeper waters. And guess what? That's fine too. So again, it's all about just being a more, I don't know, supportive hobby and not jumping all over people people's throats, not taking these hard stances, recognizing that although you may have an opinion, other people have different opinions. And sometimes if you take that hard line stance on one side or the other, it does kind of put you in a, you know, a situation where you can be proven wrong because bottom line, if you say everybody has to start with beginner species, that's not true. If you say that beginner species lists don't benefit some species, that's not true. Let's meet in the middle, you know, be civil to each other and not get in a situation where we're driving people away from the hobby because we're freaking them out by screaming at them for buying the wrong spider. So that will do it for this one. It's getting hot up here. We've already hit 80 degrees and I'm starting to melt. Uh, so we're going to end this one here. Um, again, keep an eye out for my video. It's, I think I'm going to name it. I'm going to, I'm going to goof around and call it like, uh, my top 100 plus favorite tarantula species A to Z, I think I'm going to do for a fun title. And it's obviously going to be an inside joke for those who have been watching my videos for a while that recognize I love them all. I really, there, there isn't any spider that I've kept that I don't love. And it's, it's why it's so tough sometimes for me to do those top 15, top 10 lists because I really, I like them all. I don't like leaving anybody off it. So hopefully some folks check that out. Um, that will do it for this one. As always, guys, you can find me on tomsbigspiders.com. You can find me on tomsbigspiders on YouTube. Stay safe. Stay cool if you're over in New England where it's going to be 90 for the next two days. And we'll catch you all next time.